Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back, guys. Excited to have you. We've got a really, really cool sh- show for you today. Uh, let's jump right into the review of the week. So this one was awesome. At first, I got this one on a, uh, a voicemail type thing. Uh, but then he typed it out for us. So this is from Dave2254. This is a uh, Apple podcast review titled Powerful Spiritual Advice You Can Use Right Now. Dan and the Journey of a Christian Dad show is simply incredible. The stories and advice shared on this show have had a major positive impact on my life. This show has inspired me to start taking my kids to church every Sunday so that I could pass down the importance of having God in our lives. This show helped me find several accountability groups where other men have been helping me to grow. I love the challenges at the end of every episode that focus on getting you into action. If you just take this small step, you'll be amazed at where you end up in just a few short months. Thank you, Dan and team. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave2254. In this case, I know exactly who you are and I've already thanked you personally for the uh, for the review. So with that said, guys, uh, super fired up to bring on our guest today. We've got Joel Penton. He's famous for winning the national championship. College football, if you follow college football at all, you'll know of the Ohio State University. You got to add the in front of it. And then since then, he's had a career doing public speaking, ministry work, and he's got this uh, fantastic idea and fantastic organization he's going to bring to us that we're going to talk about that really, truly can change the community where you live and impact hundreds, if not thousands of families in your local community and how he does it just blows me away. Like it doesn't seem possible where I live uh, based on, you know, things that I hear about the public schools. My family is not in the public school system. However, uh, lots of families locally are. So I talked to lots of dads about that. And with that said, welcome to the show, Joel. Dan, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm dying to hear more about the 2002 national championship season. <laughs> like, Sure. It was uh, it was a wild ride. So that was my freshman year. And so I tell people that I was highly decorated that year because I was scout team player of the week twice. Twice. So, uh, that's right. I was on the practice squad. I was, I was redshirted. So I didn't I, I didn't see the field except from the sideline. But it was wild. I mean, we did not. There was no expectation that we would be very good that year and we just kept winning and got into so many close games i mean i think of purdue we were down uh with a minute to go and we throw basically a hail mary and win the game and then we're supposed to get crushed by miami of florida in the national championship it goes into one overtime it goes into two overtimes and we win again by the skin of our teeth um it was yeah kind of the cinderella story and being able to watch it from the sidelines um and be a small part of it was very exciting and that gave me some inspiration then as i had four more years to play of uh, some targets to shoot for that is so funny win the national championship red shirt four more years to play and then you don't 
Do you, right. you make it back to the national championship at all? We did my senior year. We, um, we made it back and we were undefeated. We had, we had played the number two team twice already. Meaning when we played Texas, this is 2006. When we played Texas, they were number two and we beat them. We played Michigan at the end of the year. They were number two and we beat them. And then we got beat in the national championship game by Florida. And so we came up a little bit short, but had a big 10 championship and some other um, big 10 championships. But so it was, it was a good run. That's pretty awesome. Years ago, I was, uh, I got to hang out with Torrey Holt quite a bit, uh, wide receiver for the Rams. One of the uh, one of his better friends in life is Orlando Pace, who, you know, was at the Ohio State University just before you. That's right. And they won the Super Bowl. Rams won the Super Bowl. Torrey got the Super Bowl his rookie year. And a number of guys in his life that had been in the NFL longer were like, take this in. <laughs> take this in. You might not ever win another super bowl take this in he's like ah we're gonna win every year for you know we're gonna win (laughs) (laughs) and he never got another one right well that's cool that he got to get back to a super bowl but didn't win that was cool that you got to get back to a national championship game even though you didn't win yeah it was pretty cool it was it was a great experience um in a variety of ways in the way it molded me as a man and the way it prepared me for life and then even in the way that to this day, it's still opening doors. I mean, here we are, um, you know, 17 years later <laughs> on a Zoom call, uh, still still talking about it. So it is a great opportunity. What was losing that game like? Oh, that was rough because we were supposed to win it. We, we were ranked number one. Um, and it was one of those, and anyone who's done sports has been in the situations where it's one of those games, everything goes wrong. <laughs> you know, and that's, <laughs> one of the things about football, um, I heard somebody say once is that the ball isn't round. And so it bounces weird, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it does. It, it, it could, when it comes out on the ground, it could go this way or that way. And that's kind of then a metaphor for how the games go even is that everything goes right. And then you got momentum and then the opposite can be true. And that's what happened that last game. And so, it was rough um, to be so close. And then as my senior year, uh, but it, but that that's its own lesson, right? That's its own preparation. That's its own um, investment in your, your soul uh, for life. Do you take that in and depressed for a while or were you like, okay, got it. Like, let's move on. Or like, what, what was that little transition like in your life? You know, at that time that may have been your whole life possibly. Yeah, that's interesting. An interesting question. I, I don't think I ever felt depressed. I was certainly disappointed to this moment. I mean, disappointed to a degree. It'd be nice to tell you we won the game, right? Um, right, right. But I think pretty quickly, I mean, the Lord had been preparing me for the next chapter in life, and I was anxious for the next chapter in life. I, in in the midst of, I think, college kind of came to the conclusion that sports is cool, but it's a game. And if it's rightly understood and you participate in it rightly, it is, it prepares you for life. Um, what you do as a husband and father and boss or employee, that's real life, <laughs> you know? And so I kind of chose not to be too bothered by what happened in the game, which was really just practice for the things that count and the things that matter. Yeah, that's so cool. So you came to faith your freshman year? Freshman year of high school. Freshman high year of high school. school. Okay. Yeah. What was that? What was that like? What was the turning point there? Well, I'd been to church my whole life. I was a we were part we were a church going family. And so I I heard it all, but I don't really remember hearing the central gospel message about Jesus and his death for sin and his resurrection. And I, maybe I had heard that a thousand times, but I don't remember it. Right. Uh, Right. But as a freshman in high school, we had a youth pastor who was very focused on the gospel and the central biblical message. And that's when I remember hearing about Jesus and hearing the simple plan of salvation of how I could be forgiven through Jesus and and it all, it all made sense. It all clicked. And I was, I mean, I don't have any words that are better than the words that the Bible uses and that I was born again. I was, it became a new creation. And it was, I, I remember feeling it, like it was like that 
uh, Wizard of Oz moment of stepping out of black and white and into color that it, it just kind of was like, oh, this is what life is about. Life is about knowing our creator and serving our creator. That makes sense. Like we're here for a purpose um, bigger than ourselves. And so it became very important to me right away to tell others that because I almost felt upset. Why hasn't, why haven't people been more clear with me about this? Are we keeping it some sort of secret or something like this is a big deal? You know, we need to be telling people about Jesus. And so it became very important to me to share the gospel um, with anybody who would listen, which that kind of set me on a course, which would um, become, you know, that's what my life's about now. So that got you into public speaking. Right. At a right. pretty, pretty early age. Like, this is amazing to me. Well, yeah. And so it was in me becoming very passionate and, you know, always talking about Christ and whatnot. Um, my pastor noticed this in me, first my youth pastor, and started giving me an audience, you know, started saying, hey, you know, share your story with the youth group. And, and for me, uh, my families, I've come from a family of mathematicians. It was just math at that point. It was like, sure, why not share with a room of people instead of just one person at a time? That's good math. And so I said, sure. I didn't think I was like some sort of gifted speaker or something, but I agreed. And then I was invited to preach a sermon at my church in front of the full congregation of 500 people at, at the age of 17. And I said, I said, sure, why not? And then the word kind of spread around my hometown. I started filling in to preach for other pastors when they would go on vacation. Uh, and then that was all accelerated through the success on the football field, because then word started to spread that, hey, there's this football player who is also a, kind of a preacher. <laughs> and I started getting invites to speak around the state. And uh, so by the time I was in college and then graduating, I was speaking probably at least once a week, getting in my car, traveling, speaking a lot of times in churches, but really anybody that would have me because for me, I just figured why not? Wow. That's amazing. At 17, you don't need tons of money in life or any of that type of thing. After college, maybe some guys feel the pressure to make some money or how did that transition work for you? Well, I, I never really felt a great desire to make a bunch of money. Um, I mean, I do. I, I have those desires like anybody would, but I always had a greater desire to not <laughs> make a bunch of money in that, uh, you know, I read the Gospels and I read Scripture and I, you know, um, and realize that we're here for another purpose. And there's a lot of warnings about material wealth. And there's a lot we need to get done in terms of sharing the gospel. And so my wife and I talked about being missionaries overseas, um, but we realized I did have a platform. I had this football platform, this speaking opportunity. It, it didn't quite make sense for us to kind of leave that behind and go overseas. Um, and so we chose to go with the speaking. We chose to found a nonprofit and I did receive some speaking fees, um, but we also wanted to make the most, we wanted to make the most of it. And so our nonprofit exists to reach unchurched students in public schools with the gospel. Uh, and so we would do school assemblies. We do evening outreach events, concerts where students could come back and hear the gospel. Uh, and we thought we would do it just for a year or so until the Ohio State football thing fizzled out in terms of a platform. <laughs> uh, but the Lord blessed it and it's only grown since. That's awesome. So there's a guy in Nebraska that I'm thinking about. He was the guy that Mizzou was playing Nebraska and somehow a fourth down play or something. And the last thing, and the ball flips off, I think a Mizzou receiver's foot, if I remember right. right. And somehow this guy dives from off the TV screen and catches the ball. That guy's got a paid speaking career. He makes a ton of money just going around I, Nebraska. <laughs> I bet. Well, for me, it's kind of the, um, now that's, that's better. That's best. I, I can, I can, I can see that play in my head as you're talking about, um, <laughs> but my senior year, so at Ohio state, the big rivalry is Ohio state, Michigan. And the, my senior year, we were ranked number one, they're ranked number two. This is the Ohio state, Michigan fans dream is that both teams would be undefeated. And in fact, the first time it happened again since 2006 was this past year. Um, and so they dubbed it in 2006, the game of the century, which is funny since the century was only six years old at that point. Um, but it was dubbed this big game and I did have a sack in that game. And so all of my, I mean, they, that ran on sports center, that kind of clip of that sack was kind of all over everything. And, and that has been played continuously as I've been out on the speaking trail for now, you know, almost 20 years. <laughs> it's That's kind of awesome. Fun. 
<laughs> that is so funny how clips like that can just live on forever. Yeah. So the move pa- moving past football, uh, super fun time of your life gives you this platform. Uh, the opportunities that have been given to you, you realize you've got a gift to speak and to touch lives. Guys might be hearing, oh man, I've got to be a public speaker. No, no, guys. <laughs> Use your gifts. Recognize your gifts. If you don't know what your gifts are, well, have you got any thoughts on how guys can recognize their gifts? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, I would ask guys to con- ask themselves, uh, what do they want to do? I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting guys out there <laughs> about gifts and strengths and God's will and this and that. But I think what we re- miss a lot is that the Lord gives us passions. You say, what do you want to do? You know, what gets you excited? Um, Now it's possible that those things aren't healthy things or they're things that can be exercised in an unhealthy way. And so there's many more questions to ask, but are there things that get you, and what are you really, what do you seem to seem to be good at? You know, when it comes to this or that, and people start looking to you, um, what are those things? And I would challenge guys. I know we were just talking about money. That's interesting. I had no intention of talking about this, but um, I would try to forget that piece if you can. Not forget it, but um, I think we live in a very affluent society, probably the most wealthy society that's ever lived. We all live in greater comfort than Solomon enjoyed. Um, And we could all probably stand to do with a little less comfort. (laughs) And so... Uh, maybe don't think what, you know, I need to make six figures doing whatever I'm doing. I would just say, you know, challenge that idea. Um, think about what's important, right? What's important that you do that's going to make an impact in future generations and your, your own family and future generations. And what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And then can you make that work financially? Because that is important. You got to provide, you got to put food on the table. I'm not saying you don't. Um, but that's probably shouldn't be the first question is what's most lucrative. No, don't, that's not number one, right? It's what are you passionate about? What's going to make a difference? What are you good at? Those types of things. Yeah, that's great. I'd add to that. Uh, if you're questioning like, what am I really good at? What am I gifted at? Uh, it might be right in front of your face and you're just not giving yourself credit for it. So ask some people close to you. That's right. Hey, hey, what do you see? What do you see? Some things that I'm talented at. When you think about me, what are some, you know, gifts? If you want to use that word, or what do you think I'm good at? Yeah. And maybe you follow that up with, what do you think I'm not good at? <laughs> right. Sure. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great, and um, I would also say it depends on the person, but you can probably be good at a lot of different things. Um, you can probably become competent in a lot of skills you don't yet have. It does take hard work, but um, there's, my father shared with me a long time ago that something very common about successful people is that they wake up early in the morning. And I remember being a kid thinking that sounds so arbitrary, you know, and now that I'm hitting 40, I realize, so my goodness, that is true. That if you that you can be competent at a lot of different things. You can have success. You can make a difference. If you're willing to put in the time, if you're willing to get up when the rest of the world is sleeping, you will get ahead. Yeah. What it, I, You told me before we started recording, you wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's true. I try to start, I try to start real early and I try to get home early. So I try to get to the office a lot earlier than everybody else. And then I try to be the first one to head out the door in the afternoon and get home before my kids, friends, dads are getting home. So I'm trying to, trying to win on both fronts. What are some key things you do between say four and eight o'clock in the morning? Well, that's the time I'm able to think um, because I lead an organization now. And as soon as eight o'clock hits, it is just a firefight and I'm answering questions and taking meetings. And, um, and so, you know, first thing I try to do is listen I, I will listen to scripture in my drive into the office. And then I have a couple of devotional books I'll, um, that I'll try to dig into. One I'll just commend to your audience, and that is The Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers <laughs> from, the, from the 1600s. Um, but I'll have that time. And then 
that's when I try to knock out any creative projects. So I end up doing a lot of writing. I end up doing a lot of um, kind of creating um, for our organization, thinking through new systems, new processes. Again, that's when I can have my longer focused creative time before it all gets crazy. Any exercise in the morning? I do my exercise in the afternoon. Um, most people who are smart recommend doing it in the morning. So if you're listening to this, you should probably do it in the morning. For whatever reason, <laughs> it works for me to do that in the afternoon. Um, sometimes that's with my wife. My Now, my wife is one of the fittest people in the world. She finished in the top 1% of the CrossFit Open. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> I think she's the fittest mother of five on the planet. I would bet money on that. Um, so I, any health I have in terms of my diet or exercise is just trickle down health is what I say from her. Well, yeah. If you've got somebody like that, you know, as, as your wife, like, of course that's going to bleed over. So you, you don't have to lead the charge on that front. That's right. That's right. And, uh, she was a gymnast at Ohio state. So she also doesn't age. And so people see us together and they think she's my daughter and I'm okay with that. That's so funny. That's so funny. So what time in the afternoon do you work out? Well, it'll be when I get home. So uh, usually between four and six, depending on what the kids are doing. Uh, we have kind of a CrossFit gym in our garage. And so it's okay. either it's either a, a rowing exercise or a, or a stationary bike or a run around the neighborhood. I, I don't get super intense to just try enough to get the... Uh, somebody told me recently that it's impossible to be depressed when your heart rate is up. And I don't struggle with depression, but I did, I did think I, that I like that thought a lot. Yes. Yeah. I, I like, because it means to me, it means more than just you're not depressed, right? It's, it's, it, it takes you to a whole different kind of state of mind and state of being and to do, be able to do that regularly, even if it's not for one or two hours, but to get yourself to that place, I think is when I'm consistent that is, uh, I know I'm in a good place. And and I'll say what many guys say when I get, when life gets busy, when things get crazy, what are the first two things to go? It's the, it's time in the working out and it's time in the word. And, um, but those are the two things that the more you do them, the more you want to do them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. discipline is so critical. Exercise in the word. Got it. And I'm thinking food also. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> Put some junk in my mouth, something quick. Right. <laughs> Sure. No more meal prep and all that type stuff. Do you incorporate uh, kids into the four to six workout? I know you're not working out four to six, but. Oh, right. Sometimes, sometimes my daughter's alongside me or the kid will run with me to the end of the block and then they'll peel off um, sometimes. But more, what I do more than that is include my, so my oldest is 14 years old. And when he turned 13, we had kind of a this may sound strange, but kind of a manhood ceremony mm-hmm. where we, his mother started at one end of a bridge in our city where we live um, with all the kids. And I started on the other and we walked and met in the middle. And then he, and I had a, a friend of mine with me um, and he, along with my friend, he went with us back. And then my wife went back with the other kids to kind of signify that he's now entering a new stage in life. And that is the point at which he actually started going to work with me uh, at least once a week. And so we homeschool um, and he sits, he sits in the office with me. He sits in the meetings. He goes in at 4 a.m. I wake him up. <laughs> I pull him out of bed and um, we do. Uh, yeah. And so that I, part of what I'm certainly trying to do, you asked about kids working out alongside me is living life with my kids alongside me. When I'm going to speak, I'll often take a kid or two um, to various meetings. In fact, I showed you before we started, before we hit record that I'm on the road right now with my entire family to be having meetings for our ministry, but they are along with me. We're traveling in a bus. And so anyway, side by side is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did, uh, did a challenge a while back called 75 hard and you do two workouts a day, yeah. two workouts a day for 45 minutes. One of them has to be outside and yeah. I love to be around my family and my kids. And I was like, there's no way I'm spending 45 minutes during family time all right. by myself and isolated from them. So we figured out ways, you know, things that they enjoyed, whether it be playing tennis or, you know, whatever, but we just get outside and have fun together. And I'm like, man, this is the greatest six days a week. I'm playing with my kids, doing something active 
whether it's cold or hot or whatever it was, but like, that's something they enjoy. That's something I enjoy and I love doing it and, you know, all that type of stuff. So guys, if you're, if you're not the most physically fit guy and looking to, um, maybe look for a way to incorporate your kids after, after work. Um, another guy I talked to a long time ago, he, he would do a jump on the bike. So he'd get home from work, love on his family real quick. And then he'd go jump on the bike and he'd get his heart rate up get his uh, kind of work mode out of his head, get relaxed and get some energy back. He said in the afternoon, he was just dead tired, but jump on a exercise bike, 20 minutes, towel off, go love on the family. He's like, I was all energized again. And I was ready to be a good, you know, loving person around my family instead of being a slug with a remote control in my hand. Yeah, that's good. My, so my wife who works out at least six days a week, sometimes twice a day and does these long workouts. I told her, listen, I can do 20 minutes. Give me a list of 20 minute workouts that I can do in the garage, whether it's rowing, biking, weights, push up, you know, just give me the list. And so she did, she gave me a list. I have about 20 different things that each take about 20 minutes. So I can just get in and out. And yeah, that's the, that's the way for me. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. There you go, guys. You just heard it. You don't need to do an hour. His, his wife, <laughs> top 1% or the fittest mom in the world with five children. That's right. Less to 20 minute workouts. So 20 minute workouts work guys. That's right. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you see pictures of me, you'd say they don't work, but uh, I'm looking at you on video guys. It works. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump in. You've got like, when I read the concept, I had to read it a couple of different times. And I'm like, apparently this thing's true because you're doing it and you're having some success and it's growing fairly rapidly in the book I was reading. It was talking about a principal, I believe, that says, you know, what do you, what's your plan for my school? And you're like, I don't have a plan for your school. I just do this. And yeah. he's like, all right, well, what do we do first? And you're yeah. like, well, you're against the whole idea. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought, and other, other leaders of schools had told him how awesome it was. And his own staff had told him how awesome it was. So maybe that's a great place to start. If you want to tell, you know, tell that story and tell what LifeWise is about. Yeah. So the ministry that we started just a few years ago in 2019 is called LifeWise Academy, which is uh, was a pivot for me personally in terms of, you know, I was traveling and speaking and it was going really well. Ministry was growing. And then people in my hometown called me. I lived from a small hometown in Northwest Ohio. And they said, Joel, we'd like you to help us out with our released time religious instruction program. And I said, I don't know what that is. What, what's, what's release time? I had to keep reading and reading and reading. I'm like, what is this talking about? I don't understand. This seems like yeah. an obvious term that I should know, but I'm oblivious to it. Oh, and that's what I, and that's, and I was in full-time ministry to public schools and I'd never heard of it. And now I'm convinced it is the single greatest missed opportunity of the American church to reach the next generation with the word of God. And they went on to explain, well, release time is this thing that we take kids out of the school during school hours, out of the public school during school hours. We teach them Bible, the Bible, and then we take them back to school. And I, I said, no way, that sounds illegal. That sounds like you made that up. And they said, no, it's real. 1952, the Supreme Court ruled on this. 26 states in the nation have laws about release time. And they said in 2012, they started a program like this. They bought a house next to the school, public elementary school, started holding classes. They'd hoped that 30% of kids would sign up. That's how many kids go to church. But the very first year, 60% of the entire student body signed up. And by the third year, 95% of the school was signed up, being taught the Bible each and every week. And in 2018 is when they reached out to me. They said, help us figure out why there isn't a program like this in every community coast to coast. And that's when I was hooked. And I uh, went to work, determined that this concept is simple, but the reason it hasn't grown is because the execution is can be more complicated. And so I said, what if we bring all the tools together, create a plug and play program that any community across the nation could implement without having to reinvent the wheel would it work. That was 2018. We had the idea 2019. We launched in two schools, weathered the pandemic, grew in spite of it. And today we're serving 133 schools across four states, over 14,000 
students are enrolled, uh, public school students being taught the Bible during school hours, and that will more than double this next year. That is uh, explosive growth. <laughs> yeah, it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> that is so cool. So when I was reading about the concept, I mean, okay, that makes sense. Uh, there are times of the day where kids get you know, free time and teachers certainly love free time where they can, you know, get some relief and get away from the kids, uh, much less use the bathroom. I hear teachers all the time say, no, my bladder is like the largest bladder in the world because I never get to just get out. Like I got to hold it the whole time. So I thought, how in the heck do you get kids out of school? How do you find a building? How do you get all the resources? Like all these uh, naysayer type thoughts were running through my head and you were telling me a little bit about, no, 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 this is how we've solved it. Like this, these are things that can be overcome. So before you shut the concept down, other people have solved this one and it's not that hard. Yeah. Well, it's not easy, but yeah, all of those questions. And again, I do think that has stopped the spread of this over 70 years is that all these questions do come to mind, but yes, as you just said, they are all solvable. And now it's been done, you know, a couple hundred times over in our case, and so in terms of facility, you know, there's a lot of different options. Usually there's a church within a mile in terms of transportation. It's not as complicated as it may sound. You know, we have over 50 buses now in our fleet that um, or students walk in terms of the curriculum that's uh, available and all the safety processes and procedures and um, training and all those things. That's that's one of the things we try to provide, you know, uh, to communities that, um when you take it a moment to step back, you say, oh, oh, this does make sense. This is possible. Communities can teach the Bible to their local public school students. The three requirements to keep it legal are it has to be off school property. It has to be privately funded and it has to be with parental permission. And so then we provide all the templates and guides to empower communities to, to do those three things. Yeah. When I was reading, I thought, oh no, what about the handouts and how do you distrib distribute and on, on, on. And it said, uh, the school can't be the one making the copies. Like that's got to be provided. Um, they can hand out though. Right. Depending on the school's uh, own policy, they, they can. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. So I think about uh, kids learning uh, faith at school. So I remember two daughters, I have two daughters and my older daughter came home one day. She goes, Hey, I taught, taught my younger sister, you know, the story about, uh, the, the big boat and that bird that flew in yeah, and brought like a, uh, a, a tree limb, I think <laughs> I taught her all about it, dad. I was like, Oh, that's great. And the younger sister hadn't gone to school quite yet. And I'm like, Oh, you mean like Noah? Yeah, that was his name. <laughs> well, like that was the coolest thing. Had my daughter been at a traditional public school, she wouldn't have had any of that and that excitement about something she picked up and realized that it was something bigger than uh, the math class she took. Like this was this was big, and I right. love the excitement that she had. And it's so cool to think that going to a public school, kids could also get that same, right. you know, possibility. Yeah, and the story you just shared is the type of stories we're starting to hear every day. Um, that, and I guess we hadn't, to us, it was enough to think, oh, students are going to learn the Bible during school hours. And many of whom who have never been to church, never heard these things. That's enough. But it's all of the then trickle down or the ripples of that, that have been some of the most exciting things to hear that the culture of these public schools is changing in that it's no longer weird for kids to talk about God, for kids to talk about Jesus. It's no longer strange to see a kid then bring their Bible to reading time when they're in class. It's no longer weird. Well, to hear him talk about on the playground, we just heard a story about a kid that for whatever reason, their parents aren't willing to sign the permission slip to let them go to LifeWise. And so one of the LifeWise students said, that's okay. Right after LifeWise every week, we'll do our own lesson on the playground and we will tell you exactly. And so they take the materials, they literally take like the handouts and whatnot, and they talk now, they have their own little class on the playground uh, because it is just like you said, you know, it's bigger than you. You, you know, it's, it's bigger than nothing against art class or math class, but you're talking about ultimate things, things of purpose, and that's something you want to share. Mm. Gosh, that is an amazing story. And it has me thinking about when kids come to faith, 
oftentimes parents come to faith too. Yep. Or if the yep. parents are already Christians, but maybe they're surface level or, you know, Christmas and Easter or whatever they are, and the kids get on fire, parents get on fire too. Yeah, you do see that. Um, we're seeing that, and that's another thing we hear about literally every day about kids that are now, well, to back up, the, the Puritans had a saying, one generation believes it, the next generation assumes it, the third generation rejects it. And it feels like we're between that second and third right now, <laughs> that we're seeing a lot of rejecting, and then there's still a lot of assuming out there. And I do think kids can kind of can kind of break that. I think that's what we're seeing is that kids coming home, their their parents have signed them up for this class because they even though maybe they don't take them to church, they think, oh, a little bit of Bible would be good. This is good stuff. And the kids are coming back and they're saying, well, this seems very important. <laughs> you know, why aren't we? Why don't we go to church, mom and dad? Why isn't this more of our family and it we're seeing a lot of parents wake up and they're saying oh well we we should we we should be there we should and i tell people that i spend a lot of saturdays uh at a soccer field now and there's only one thing in life that can get me to a soccer field and that is my <laughs> kids because i don't like soccer sorry to anyone on the audience who thinks it's great but can't stand it but my kids are playing it and so I'm there. And I think that we see a lot of that now with uh, what's happening with LifeWise, like, you know, going from the kids to the parents. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, th so this impacts community. One of the things I got challenged with years ago, I was talking to my pastor and uh, we we're talking about elections. This isn't political at all, but we we're talking about elections. And uh, this is, you know, how do you do your research? Who are you voting for? Uh, whether it's the big national elections or the local elections, local elections are more important because your vote really matters a whole lot more. If 500 people vote and your votes, you know, right. one of 500. Uh, but he says, you know, what are you doing? He goes, now of your research, which ones of these local politicians have you talked to? Wow. Well, none. <laughs> He's like, well, I challenge you to call a few of them up. He goes, they'll talk to you. They'll let you interview them. Like get engaged. Um, and so since then, I've been much more active to try to figure this stuff out and become a resource for people around me that want to vote, but they want to feel like they're educated when they vote. Um, so whether that's the voting thing, whether that's being involved at school, whether that's being involved, but dig in a little bit, dig into your community a little bit. Uh, this LifeWise program, I'm like, I love it. Like This is part of making a difference in the local community. Male leadership is lacking all over the place clock in at work, clock out, come home, grab the remote and check out. How does that benefit our families or society? So LifeWise is a great way to make a huge difference inside and outside of your family. Right. And it's about, um, as you're talking, I think the word responsibility. I, I heard a, I think it was a pastor say one time that there's a lot of ways to define what, it, you know, what it's really, what being a man is really all about. Um, but one aspect is responsibility. Men take responsibility and say, I'm not going to assign blame. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm just going to step up and I'm going to, I'm going to do something and be responsible for whatever this is. Um, I heard a different pastor say that authority flows to those who take responsibility, that that's mm. one of the laws in life you start taking responsibility for things, you will find yourself a leader. You can't, there's, you won't even be able to stop it. Um, and I think that we need to take that view, obviously in our families, um, and also in our communities, you know, we've, if we feel frustrated with things going on, we need to take a, we need to step up and take responsibility. You know, if I'm frustrated that my roof is missing some shingles, that's my responsibility. Like I need to deal with my roof. No one else is coming to deal with my roof. And it's the same with our community. We need to step up and do something. And that includes voting. That includes leading. But it, it ties directly with this LifeWise Academy opportunity. We're looking at our schools and we think, boy, oh boy, these kids are in darkness. Well, guess what? You can step up and you can do something about it. You can take responsibility and see to it that kids in your community have an opportunity to receive the word of God as part of their education. So there's two things that 
have impacted me in the public school system recently. And both of them just have me like so frustrated. And one, I don't like talking about them because other people then add their own stories about what they're frustrated about and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whatever, like, how do we get past this and move into action to change things? How can we be part of the change? But one of them was uh, one of the uh, school board ladies says, Hey, I got, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to allow kids to bring animals to school for emotional support. And, you know, and this is her example. I kid you not, you know, like a parrot. (laughs) (laughs) So emotionally supportive. Like a parrot. I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Yeah. So crazy, just crazy. 30 kids in a classroom, one teacher and, and a parrot. Yeah. And I guess a tiger and a lion and, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, th- that is all fascinating. That Some of those things, I hear them and I immediately hear fruit issues. You know, there's fruit issues and there's root issues. And I don't know what to do about some of the wacky things we hear out there. But I do know that um, good fruit go- grows from good trees. And how do we get to the root? That's I think that's why I'm so passionate about what we're doing with LifeWise is that how do we give the word of God to students so that they, I, I, we've said a, a while, we're not going to go in with a bo- with a bottle of Elmer's glue and a ba- basket of oranges and start gluing fruit onto the dead trees. You know, like we're about planting seeds and watering those seeds that grow into producing real transformed fruit. And so there are wacky things, but I think I'll be the, person just calling like let's get to the basics let's get to the root issues um of planting those seeds the other story everybody's by now heard about the books that are in schools and you know oh those are only in colleges those are only in high schools no those are in elementary schools too one of our local schools uh finally agreed to take a book off the shelf well they left it available in the digital library Sure. Like which would have been easier to remove the digital or the, but anyway, so I got a hold of one of these books and I looked at it and the images that were in that book were disturbing to me and they were stuck in my head for months. How in the world is this in a local elementary school just blew me away. It was this book in particular was teaching kids about grooming, how to, how an adult and a kid would have a sexual relationship and had graphic images. Uh, you know, there were cartoon images so that made it okay, I suppose. <laughs> blew me away, blew me away. Super conservative community we live in, but like that was the issue. And so I happen to know one of the guys that runs a large school district. He's not in charge, but he's second in charge. And I said, Hey, man, is this true? And he goes, Yeah. I'm like, I'm so disturbed about it. And I'm angry and like tormented at night. Like, tell me. And he stops and he goes, I'm deeply troubled also. It makes me question whether I should stay in my job or not. Like, should I leave? He goes, but I stay because I'm there fighting. I'm there fighting. Like there needs to be men like me. There needs to be women that stand strong and defend what's right. And he goes, could we stop and could we pray? Hmm. And boom, just started praying right there in a public location. And uh, anyway, Prayer does, prayer does work. Prayer does work. And, and talking to other people and rallying around a cause does work. So this local community thing that we're talking about, you can make a difference, even though you feel like maybe you can't. But if you start looking for opportunities, looking for people to talk to, yeah, the stories are you know fantastic. And you can rumor mill and gossip and all that type stuff and get angry with each other about it and then not do anything. Right. So how do we short those conversations and then move into the next phase. Like how can we get into action and the opportunity you've got to get the grassroots effort to start planting seeds is amazing. I love it. Well, and it's, and it's a real practical thing. You know, we hear that a lot is that people say it's, we are so often against so many things, you know, we're against this, against that, but this is something to be for. And as you mentioned earlier in the, interview, we have had many, I would say most situations where the school is welcoming what we're doing with <clears throat> with open arms because you got individuals like 
the gentleman you just referred to, who are in there trying to fight a battle, not feeling like they have all the weapons. And then this comes to them and they're like, oh, here's a way I can I can make a difference and I can open the door for this. We do occasionally have schools that are resistant to this, but then we've seen a lot of victories with that. In fact, the very community where I live, the school board was against it and it became this kind of public thing. And we tried to be winsome and gracious, um, but through the activity of spreading the word of uh, going to meetings of sending letters and emails and try, again, trying to be gracious about it, they did, in fact, pass the policy that allows for this program. And so next fall, students in my where I live, public school students will be taught the Bible. Um, and and it did just show that you can make a difference. You, you don't have to feel helpless. You don't have to feel like you're a victim. Uh, you got to you got to step up. Um, and like the gentleman you mentioned in the school, you got to decide. Yeah. Are you going to get out? Which maybe that's what you're going to do. But are you going to get out or are you going to fight? Just sitting back passively is not one of the two options. You either go do something else. Maybe you move if you're, you know, got an issue with your community or you get in the battle, right? Yes, yes, 100%. You mentioned you homeschool. Yeah. We've, we've got some guys that, that do some homeschooling. We've got some other guys that say, hey, I'm kind of interested in homeschooling. We, we've got a new sponsor called Classical Conversations, and they're a homeschool. That's what we, that's what we do. They're your no sponsor. way. No way. Yeah. yeah. That's what we do. We'll, we'll give them a loud shout out. Like, tell us about oh. it. Well, I don't know if we'd still be homeschooling if it weren't for classical conversations. Maybe we would, but we're just so thrilled with it. Uh, when the reason we homeschool is because we started having kids and my wife and I had never even talked about it. I went to public school. She went to private school growing up. We both went to state college, uh, you know, the Ohio State University. Um, but then as one of our oldest was getting near the time to send to school, we both independently had the thought without even talking to one another, it doesn't feel right yet to send our kid off for that many hours a day. To, and again, it was responsibility. It just felt like he still feels like our responsibility at this age. Um, and so we said, well, let's do the homeschool thing. And that's when I started reading and read up on the classical method about the grammar and logic and rhetoric stages. And I realized that my parents, little did they know, had very much brought me up in a kind of a classical type of environment, the way we discuss things and we're always learning and, and thinking. And I, and it just rang as like, this, this is what we need to do. And so then we learned that there was a classical, this classical conversations, which takes the classical method, which is pretty intense, but makes it very practical and accessible through a community and through a standardized curriculum it was the perfect fit for us. And so we've been in part of our community. I don't know how many years we just did our celebration of learning. And then you got these little like five-year-olds up there reciting like paragraphs of things that, that I don't know. And I realized, wow, every kid above the age of three in this building is now smarter than me. Um, it's just, it's been, it's been great. That's so cool. That That's so cool. So thanks for the live testimonial uh, advertisement there. That was great. I was talking with uh, Vaughn Kohler. Vaughn was on, a, uh, I think, episode 15, if I remember right. He wrote a book called Sacred Drive. And I'm like, hey, we got a new sponsor, Classical Conversations. He's like, oh, we do that. Yeah. <laughs> so just like just like you, uh, how how would guys get involved with LifeWise? How would they get this program started? How can they share the message? Like going from two to over 120, like how do we, how do we take this to 1,200 in the next couple of years? Yeah, that's the goal. Well, it, your audience, all the guys listening can help with that um, by impacting their own community. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. We have developed a 10-step launch process to get one of these programs off the ground. Yes, it is proven over 250 times at this point. We'll be live in that many schools next year. And it starts with going to our website, lifewise.org. That's L-I-F-E-W-I-S-E.org. Go to lifewise.org and click. Well, for one, if you want to click around and learn more about it, go for it. But before you leave the website, click where it says, find your school. That's in the main menu. Find your school and you can start step one of collecting signatures. It starts with a community interest list, which is a fancy term for a petition. Uh, you 
find 50 signatures. So you fill out the form, forward that link on to your, you know, every friend you can think of, have them all sign. Um, anybody who lives, works, or worships in your community can sign. And every school district district is loaded onto our website. Com- complete the form, start the list, and that will kick off the 10-step process after signing, you know, 50 signatures. And we'll have a meeting. We'll form a steering committee, yada, yada, yada. The local leaders will self-identify and they will rise up through the process, but anybody can start the process. Even if you're not ultimately going to be a leader, find your school on lifewise.org and sign the list. So that guys, that is actually simpler than it even sounds. So when he talked about identifying the leaders, the leaders will show up. Some of what that means is as you're circulating, just the simple link and the simple concept like Joe Smith will go, Hey, I'm going to get Mike involved. Who's Mike? Well, don't worry about it. Mike Mike loves stuff like this, and Mike's got some people. Mike will bring his people. Next thing you know, Mike gets involved and takes over. That's right. That's exactly what happens. There, In your community, if you're listening to this, in your community, there are the leaders necessary to pull this off. The directors are there. The teachers are there. The donors are there. The volunteers, they just don't know about it yet. And so if you'll sign the list and forward that link on, it will work its way to who I mean, we see it time and time again, the pe- when people find out you can do this, they say, wait, we can teach the Bible to our public school students. Yeah, we're going to show up and we're going to make this happen. You said you got 250 going next year. Yeah. yeah. I well, said- we're, we're confirmed in 265. But today I have a meeting with a superintendent in I'm in Pennsylvania right now. And hopefully it's 266 by the end of the day. All right. All right. Well, let's all pray for that. And uh, you probably have some more meetings lined up. So when you guys hear this one, just pray that this uh, this organization grows. Uh, there's a movie called Show Me the Father. I don't know that you've heard of it or not. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it either. So a crazy, crazy, crazy thing happened in Florida. They showed it in every prison. Uh, so it's a movie about God. Show me the Father. Show me God. Yeah, and that's- they played it in every single prison statewide. Wow, that's cool. I'm like, how in the heck did that happen? Right. right. Like that seems just like just like your mission during school hours. There's no way we could get the Bible into kids' hands during school hours, but we can. Right. Yeah. We absolutely can. Yeah. So this is this is all over the place. Have you got any thoughts for guys maybe to help them be better dads, better leaders, better family men, better, better guys are always looking for something to do to be better. Um, and if you got any other thoughts that you'd like to share, and then we always like to end with a challenge and you being a football guy, mm. <laughs> you've yeah. been through challenges all your life. I have been through some challenges, but the Lord has sustained me. Um, what would I encourage? I mean, we do a simple thing. This is very practical. We, my family and I could be more consistent with it, um, but it's been, I think, very helpful. And that is we do a, a family worship or family devotional time in the evenings, and it is not complicated. I, <laughs> I read, I have my Bible and I read a section of it. Right now we're in Psalms, so I'll read a Psalm and I'll just ask my kids, hey, what, anything catch anybody's attention? What did anybody think about that? Um, And then we'll talk about it just for a few minutes. And then sometimes we'll sing a song and then we take prayer requests and we pray together. Usually we either go around in prayer or we divvy up the acts prayer. I don't know if you've heard of the acts prayer: adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So somebody pray a prayer, praise, somebody pray a prayer, confession, somebody do thanksgiving, somebody pray for all these requests we just mentioned. It takes 10 minutes to do all of that. And it, you don't have, you don't even have to prepare, but it is recentering the family that this is what we're about. We are about the word and we are about prayer. And, um, that would be, I don't know whether that's my advice or my, my challenge. Um, but to me, every, every dude can do that. Every dude can do that. Yeah. That is a super simple formula. So the confession part, who jumps in the lead on that one? Well, we take volunteers. Um, and I don't know, one of my kids volunteers. Sometimes I do. And, you know, we're basically confessing that Lord, we have not loved you as much as we should, we have not loved others as much as we should. We are failing, failing at this thing and we are sorry, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Like another thing that doesn't, none of it has to be complicated. Of course, my youngest, when he took Thanksgiving the first time, he prayed and uh, thanked the Lord for turkey and mashed potatoes. And we had to explain to him that, that we're not praying about the the holiday Thanksgiving. We're praying just a prayer of thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so this was in like August. <laughs> yeah, this is like, he was, it was like, yeah, I don't even know when it was, but he was praying about the holiday. We're like, no, no, that's not, that's not what this is. <laughs> that's so great. When, when I heard you say the confession part of like, man, kids will just throw out like something horrible that they did that nobody knows about. And like, oh, they'll yeah. just tell on themselves. Whereas adults, we like to hide our grievous sin away from everybody and lock it away and put it in a box. And as a man, we certainly, you know, keep that key hidden away so nobody can get to it. But as kids, they just open up. Yeah. Oh, the things they'll they'll say are, you know, they'll either shock you with their how dead right on they are and honest, or they'll shock you with how shallow they are because they're children. And so it's like one of the two, right? Just the extremes. And when when one of your kids opens up about something like that, what's your natural reaction or your uh, what you've learned into? so that they keep opening themselves up to you? Well, I want to encourage them just for opening up or for sharing that um, and just say, I'm really glad you shared that with me. Um, Yeah. So I I always want to, if I can, (laughs) depending on what they shared, it could be difficult, but if I can (laughs) encourage what they're sharing, I, I, this is not, this is somewhat related. Um, not exactly the same, but we went and bought a used lawn mower. My son has a lawn mowing business now. And so we bought a second mower, used mower. And the guy that we bought it from didn't didn't seem like the best guy. It's just the way he was acting and talking seemed kind of shady. And I was very anxious to get out of there. We ended up buying it, got out of there. And my son started to cry in the car. And I said, son, what's wrong? And he said, I just really wish that we had shared the gospel man (laughs) and i was just immediately convicted of course because i'm wanting to get out of there as quick as i can um and that's where his heart is and so what i the way i responded more than anything was encouraging him son i'm so proud this is one you know maybe the most proud moment i've ever had you and your heart and please don't lose that let's stop and pray for him right now um yeah encouragement Oh, that's awesome. What a cool story. Yeah. Convicting. I learned so much from my kids and from time to time they say something and tell on themselves or whatever. And I, my gut reaction, you're a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully the filter's there and I don't let that out of my mouth. And I say something along the lines of, oh yeah, you know, tell me more about that or, you know, and then eventually, uh, you know, I'm really glad you came to me with that, whatever that is, because, right. you know, sometimes these stories are so little and you want to shortcut them maybe or, or lash out at them for whatever it was. What do you mean you punch Billy in the head? Right. Well, well, he just, you know, jumped off the top rope and gave me an elbow or, you know, whatever it was. But kids got these crazy stories and rather than shut them down, it's like, I want to keep inviting them because when they get to the teenage years, some of these stories are going to be ones that maybe they'd want to keep away from mom and dad. That's right. And uh, they need to know that we're, we're a safe place, safe person for that, for us, for them to be able to talk to and open up. And maybe it is ratting on one of their friends or sharing about something like super, super serious that's going on social media, depression, drugs, whatever it is. Um, You know, we need to be emotionally secure so that our kids can feel safe to talk to us. So that's so important. Have you got a challenge for the guys, something you can throw out to maybe something they can do? doesn't have to be simple and easy, but something they can do within a week's time. Challenge within a week's time. Well, if I'm allowed, I would challenge everybody to get to lifewise.org. You are allowed. And that's exactly what I was hoping would be. Well, that's my challenge is, you know, get to the website, lifewise.org, and at least fill out the form on your school district's page. So lifewise.org, click find your school. You can search for your school district, fill it out. But if it's just you that fills it out, that's just going to sit there. So take the link of that page where you fill it out and send it off to, we say the 20-20-20 rule. Text it to 20 people, email it to 20 people, and share it on social media with 20 people. Um, But, you know, do what you can. Or maybe you know the 
the the lady in town or the guy in town or maybe it's your wife who is the social butterfly and you just need to get it into their hands right so you need to get there and put it into the hands of the person you know is just going to pollinate like crazy that'd be my challenge and then i'll I'll go to what i just said about family worship time i challenge every dad to uh take a time to to do that and i, I find that some of those things whether it's prayer time with family time in the word um Sometimes we can be hesitant to do so because we feel guilty that we haven't been doing things like that. And I've found it's very effective just to be real transparent and say, hey, there's something that I probably should have been doing, but I haven't been because I'm not perfect, (laughs) you know, and I would love a bit of grace. And what do you think we try this thing out? You know, it doesn't have to. It can just be real transparent that I'm not the perfect dad, but let's spend some time talking about the perfect dad, you know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talking about the perfect dad for sure. That's a fantastic challenge and and it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It doesn't. No. And in fact, there's a uh, something called the New City Catechism, which is Tim, I think Tim Keller um, had a hand in producing that. It has a forward, I think maybe by his wife, which is 52 question and answer uh, questions with answers. Um, we use that as well. And that's super simple. I mean, it has a question, you cover the answer and then eventually kids memorize it because kids are real smart and remember things. And there's a verse that goes with it. You can do one of those a day or a week and, and pray. It can be very, again, very simple. New catechism. Is that new, what you said? new city catechism, the new, new city, catechism. new city catechism. Cool. I always like these new resources that I haven't heard of before. Tim, I've heard of, of course, but not new right. city catechism. That is great. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Like, thanks for sharing some Ohio State, the Ohio State stuff, and and some Michigan stuff. And congrats on your tackle. Thank you. <laughs> your one, sack, I should say. <laughs> in St. Louis, we remember Mike Jones for the tackle, so I can remember you for the sack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I tell people that if they remember me playing at Ohio State, then they care too much about Ohio State football. So I show them I show them the photo of the side. I say this is my photographic evidence that I played at least one play at Ohio State. Can I ask you one more question about uh it, 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 the question will relate to football, but it doesn't necessarily have to be football uh related. Sure. Comparison. So since I got to hang around a lot of football players and superstars, and then also the guy that might get cut next week, I saw a whole lot of name brand stuff. I saw a whole lot of uh, the car I drive up to the parking lot in. I saw one guy, he was a first round draft pick from Penn State and Marshall Falk drove up in some crazy car. So he went out and bought a uh, Rolls Royce Phantom that looked like somebody else should be driving it instead of the owner of the car. It looked like this huge limo. Like, what'd you get that for? He goes, well, Marshall drove up in that. So I had to be better than him. So I bought the best thing you could buy. So nobody could top me. I dude comparison 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 yeah yeah i think that that's sad um and it's also not super surprising well to uh, to make it at that level you have to it's be rare to make it if you're not an extremely competitive person (laughs) right right that you know there's a there's a quote um the, to the the ordinary man, everything is a blessing or a curse. To the warrior, everything is a challenge. And somebody who competes at that level, it can be it can manifest as a great thing in life, but it can also maybe more often than not manifest as a negative of making everything a challenge, everything a competition, everything is comparison. And it's like you see that in everybody to a degree. But then a certain personality, you're going to see that to an extreme, like you just um, like you just described. And so the people who start to get at the edges of the general, you know, spectrum, you're going to just start to see these extremes, right? Like you're going to see extreme success. But you're also going to see these extremely destructive behaviors at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think you ever got caught up in the material comparison game from our conversation, but just seeing it happen. And I think about just the small things in life where I'll compare myself to somebody else, somebody else's situation or whatever, and then start thinking about that. And I'm like, that doesn't take me to a good spot most of the time. No, it rarely does. I mean, there, there's like a, a pretty narrow window of like how that's healthy and it can generate 
you know, um, it can be real productive if you're like using others as a guide and learning from others and pushing yourself and competition. But it very with our sinful nature, it very quickly goes off the rails. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> well, thank you for pulling that part together. I'm like, I, I wanted to bring up comparison in this one. And uh, I think that was a, a really good summation of here's productive comparison, which is more learning and as a guide type thing. And when you start trickling down that sinful nature path, uh, realize that quickly and get out of it. Yes. Yeah. I try to train my kids away from that comparison thing, but man, are they, they're really good at the comparison thing. Not only my kids, but other kids I talk to as well. We're born with it. We're born. Well, we're born all wanting to be on the throne of the universe. And it looks like somebody else is climbing up onto that throne and got to build our throne higher, I guess. Yes. Yes. Well, Joel, thank you so much for being generous with your time and, uh, and sharing what you do with us and then just making the whole world a better place. Like you are making a huge, huge difference. Well, I, I appreciate it. We, we've got a big job and, uh, we're doing our best by God's grace and we'd love to engage with anybody who's listening moving forward. Well, fantastic guys jump on lifewise.org and, uh, and make something happen. Sign up and uh, text your buddies. Perfect. Thank you. All right. You bet. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.